Ecclesia is a new church trying to live out the way of Jesus in Princeton, New Jersey. We pray this teaching invites you to love Jesus and people more deeply and to embrace the full life that Jesus offers each one of us. Grace and peace to you. You know, a year and a half ago, almost two years ago now, to start Ecclesia, um, this wasn't what it was supposed to look like. You know, I, I never saw myself being up here. I was supposed to be down there. You know, Ian, Ian is up here. He is the one who has um, this amazing gift um, with words and, and is so attuned to what God is saying. Um, and, you know, it was funny this morning, uh, Evie ran up to me when she got here and she goes, Mommy, I can't believe you're preaching. And I said, Evie, I can't either. <laughs> Um, so we're, we're both kind of still flushing this out. And, you know, when Ian first asked me to do this, I told him no multiple times. And, you know, him being persistent, um, he kept asking over and over until there was just this one morning when I realized I had been in this intense season of wrestling with God, you know, probably for about two years. Um, and as we're going through this, this series on Jacob and, and Jacob's experience wrestling with God, I really felt like, okay, maybe I do have something to say. Maybe I do have something to share. Um, and so I finally agreed and, and told him yes. Um, but I told him yes with one caveat. I said, I will agree to speak on the 18th as long as I can pick the worship songs. And he was like, okay, done, fine. Um, and yeah, it might sound like something that's um, kind of silly, to, to everyone out there. But for me, you know, worship through song is a way that I have always felt incredibly close to God. Um, and it's actually a way that I feel like I have wrestled through seasons um, with God, honestly. I, think, I feel like sometimes there are, there are songs and there are lyrics that, that are able to put words in my mouth when I don't really even know what to say. And so he agreed. He let me, you know, pick the... Um, worship songs for today, which you got a little glimpse of. And um, I do want to share one thing with you guys, or maybe a couple things about my taste in music before we get started. So number one, I am by no means a music snob, and I do not claim to be a music snob or a coffee snob for that matter either. Um, some might even say I like bad music. It's okay. I kind of own it. Um, but I am particular. So just a little... Um, example, I grew up in the era of Backstreet Boys or NSYNC. I was a diehard NSYNC fan, and playing Backstreet music is like almost offensive to me. So I am particular. And the third thing, and this is probably the most important thing about, you know, my encounter with music, I can listen to the same song over and over and over and never tire of it. It's like one thing that I think Ian has had to just learn about me and embrace about me. Um, you know, it's kind of humorous as I think about it now. Um, I will, you know, when I get the chance to go out for runs, I'll be gone for about 30 minutes and I'll come back and Ian will ask me the question. He'll go, so what song did you listen to? Not songs, not plural, it's singular. What song? Because he knows exactly what I do when I'm out there. I just listen to the same song over and over on repeat. And I don't know, maybe I grew up dancing, so I don't know if it just comes from all the practice. You know, we listen to the same song for like a whole year. Um, maybe it's just something that I kind of grew up with. Um, but 
those songs, that the songs that I have on constant repeat in my life have really framed certain seasons for me. So I can think back to different times in my life and I can say, oh, I was listening to this song at this point in my life. I was listening to this song at this point in my life. So, that, so it really frames seasons um, for me. And, you know, a, very, a, a couple memorable seasons that I want to share with you. Um, Obviously, having children are, are huge seasons that we walk through um, in our life. And, and kind of the first one that I want to share with you, um, I encountered right around the time of our first daughter's birth, Evie. Um, she was our little Easter baby. She was due on Good Friday. Um, and Evie's song, or the song that I was kind of listening to at that time that kind of became known as Evie's song for me was the song that's called um, For the Cross by Bethel. Um, you know, it came out in about 2014. It was really popular around Easter. Um, and I heard it for the first time um, on Good Friday on her due date. Um, and it was just the most beautiful song for me. Um, and it just kind of stuck with me. And I just remember... You know, about a week after she was born, she was born two days after Easter, just sitting up in her nursery. You know, she was our first child, so the nursery was perfect, all put together. Everything was hung up on the walls. I just remember sitting there, um, rocking her in our chair, and just listening to that song and just being so overwhelmed um, by the words when it says, we thank you for the cross. You know, a year before that, on Good Friday, I was in a dark place. I was struggling. We had wanted a family. We had wanted a child, and we weren't getting the answers we wanted. Fast forward a year later, I was standing in the same Good Friday service, 40 weeks pregnant, expecting our first child. That song was a mark of God's faithfulness in my life. Our second daughter, Rory, uh, born 18 months later. Rory was a scheduled C-section. Evie was an emergency C-section. So the, the, the atmosphere was a little different. Rory, it was a very calm birth. It was very relaxed. Um, and you know what's kind of funny? I remember, um, you know, right before they, they start the surgery, they have the husband come in. And in, in all seriousness, the, the surgery to get the baby out takes about seven minutes which is not long. But if you're, you know, lying there on the operating table, like seven minutes is a really long time. And so Ian was thankfully there by my side. They got Rory out, and the doctors, all they're saying is, wow, what a big baby, what a big baby. And I was like, let us see this big baby. So they finally brought this baby over to us, and it was our Aurora Bell, and she was beautiful. And they laid her on my chest, and we got to have, you know, time together. And then... They took her out of the room, and Ian went with her. And then it was just me and the doctors on the operating table for 45 minutes. It takes 45 minutes for them to sew you back up, put everything back together. And over and over, I was, I was laying there by myself. My anesthesiologist was on the right side, just being so kind and trying to talk to me and occupy me. Um, and over and over, this course in my head kept on going, you are good you are good, you are good. And it was king of my heart, and that just became Rory's song. And that song stuck. And it continued to stick for a really long time. And honestly, like, this song was so prevalent to me and for me during so many uh, times when I felt like I was wrestling with God. You know, I have no idea how this happened, but I somehow stumbled upon this 17-minute YouTube video 
of, um, it was a Bethel Sunday morning service. Stephanie Gretzinger was leading with Jeremy Riddle. And, you know, I looked it up the other night because I've watched it a lot of times. And it has 36 million views. And I, like, kind of felt proud because I was like, I have to account for at least a decent number of these. Um, so I was actually kind of proud of myself. But, you know, this is 17 minutes of the same song over and over. And, yes, there is a lot of repetition. There is a lot of chorus, verse, you are good, you are good, you are good. But then there's also this stillness and this quietness that happens kind of right in the middle of it. And the worship leader, it was Stephanie at the time, um, she just pauses and she just stops. And the words that she prayed and the words that she spoke during that song in 2015 in a service in, in California spoke so deeply um, into my heart that they spoke to me in New Jersey in 2017 and 2018 and carried me through some really dark and deep times when I felt like I was wrestling with God, that I'm still wrestling with God. You see, at this time, um, we were starting to feel like one chapter in our life was starting to come to a close. We had been, you know, um, serving and, and loving our church where we had been for 10 years, and we felt like that season was coming to a close, and we didn't know what was next. Um, you know, we had, we've always loved this area. We loved the people. Um, we knew that we wanted to be in ministry. We knew that we were going to plant a church at some point. We did not know when or where. Um, and we had this idea that maybe we should, should do it now here. Um, but then there were all these reasons not to. You know, we were too young. We didn't have enough experience. We were way too far away from our families, you know, and that, that's still very true. And also, you know, it just doesn't look good to start a church, you know, close to the proximity of your old church. Like, there were so many reasons not to. But if you fast forward, obviously we're all here together, and, you know, we said yes. You know, we said yes to, the, to this call, to this jump, to this leap of faith. Um, and, you know, I, I tried to tell the story of Ecclesia, kind of how we got to where we are um, a couple weeks ago at kind of our, our vision and prayer retreat that we had. And honestly, I just kind of cried for 20 minutes telling this story of God's goodness and his faithfulness and his kindness of leading us to where we are today. And it's, it's really hard even for me to look at some of you guys individually because you all are such incredible reminders of God's faithfulness, how you got here, our interactions with you guys. Each one of you has marked my life and is a memory of God's faithfulness. You know, um, last week Ian shared from Genesis 32 the intense story of Jacob wrestling with God, and it was what Alex read to us um, just before our time together again today. You know, and, and in this time, Jacob is heading, he's heading back to his family. He's going home. And it's not a welcomed homecoming. Nobody's there ready to throw him a party. No, he is scared, he is anxious, and he is afraid. He has stolen his brother Esau's birthright, and he is headed home to face him. You know, Jacob ended up being a very successful person. He had a lot of wealth. He had, he had livestock. He had wives. And in order to kind of, you know, like, quote-unquote, butter them up, maybe send a peace offering, he starts sending some of those ahead of him. So he sends out his livestock, he sends out um, his wife, his family, and he's just left at Jabbok, where he has this one night of an intense wrestling with God. 
And during this time, you know, God spends all night with Jacob, wrestling him. And he eventually, he, he touches his hip, and he wounds him. And now, come daybreak, Jacob has to go face Esau, who, you know, is very angry, upset with him, wants to kill him. You know, rumor has it there's like 400 men with him who they want to kill Jacob, and he's walking in there with a limp. You know, I don't think that's exactly what Jacob had planned. And this place, Jabbok, where Jacob wrestled with God all night, I think is a place that we all probably know well if we're willing to admit it. It probably looks different. We probably call it different things, but there are certain places in our lives or certain times in our lives where we have these intense wrestling moments or matches with God. And maybe, maybe you're there today. You know, maybe for you, this intense wrestling with God comes in the form of grief and loss. It's waking up every day with something that's just so unbearable. Maybe for you, it's tossing and turning because you are anxious, you are at a crossroads in your life, and you don't know which way to go. If you step one way, it's going to, you know, you think it's going to create this one outcome. If you step the other way, it's going to create this other outcome. You don't know what to do. Or maybe for you, this wrestling comes in the slow work of rebuilding trust and putting back together a marriage or a friendship that you thought was lost. Maybe it's in the faithfulness and the routine of the ordinariness of life, work, family, and marriage. It's a week, a year, a lifetime of prayer, doing all the things that you think are right to be doing and seeing no results, no change. Maybe that is where you are wrestling with God. And I know for me, I feel like this, the past two years has been an extended period of wrestling with God. And everything that I just mentioned, I feel like I have experienced in some form or fashion. And I want to share that a little bit with you today. For me, the first one, grief and loss, I think this came so unexpected for us, for me personally. I won't speak for Ian, but man, it felt like being so invested in one place and leaving there, and then overnight, those relationships are gone. They were broken. We felt this unexpected experience of grief and loss, and I didn't know how to handle it. I wasn't prepared for it. You know, it was tossing and it was turning and it was trying to figure out what to do. We had ventured away from this safety, this security, into this new foreign place. We had no idea what we're doing. We still probably don't really know what we're doing, but we're, you know, we're trusting. Um, you know, Ian was trying to su support our family by raising funds. I jumped back into work full time so that I could help us support our family. You know, everything was new. What we were doing was uncertain. There was a lot of anxiety. It was the slow work of rebuilding trust and putting back together our marriage. I'm not going to lie when I say that this was an easy season for us. Obviously, I've said a couple things before that make it sound like it wasn't super easy. Um, and it was really, really hard. I think a lot of the things that, you know, I was struggling with, that I was wrestling with God with, I personally ended up trying to blame Ian. I tried to tell him that it was all his fault, and I built a wall between us. 
that shouldn't have been there, but I didn't know where to go. I didn't know how to handle it. And it was a really tough season of wrestling and breaking through that wall and building it and putting it back together. You know, I, I've shared this before, so I apologize if you've, you've heard it, but I remember when people would ask me during that season, when my marriage was really hard, when the church was still like just barely getting started, they would ask me, so how are things going? And you know what my response would be? Good. It's hard, but it's good. And yeah, that, that was true. And I always remember saying, kind of after I would say, yeah, things are, things are good. They're hard, but they're good. I remember saying, I think I'll look back on this time with fondness. Because it was a time that we struggled, and we feel like we prevailed. And thankfully, I'm kind of out of that season a little bit, past that a little bit. Um, and you know what? I don't look back on that time with fondness. And I don't think that I need to look back on that time with fondness. I look back on that time, and I think God brought me through that. God brought us through that. Um, but I don't look back on it with fondness. I don't look back and wish that I could go back there. But I do know that God brought us through it, and we were able to move forward and rebuild our marriage. You know, it was the faithfulness in the ordinary. We had good days, we had bad days, but still remaining faithful. And whatever, you know, those, those are some of my experiences. Those are some of my times where I felt like I was really wrestling with God. Um, and yours probably look different. You know, your, your jabbok probably looks different than mine, mine does, um, but yours is very real too. These times when we meet with God, when we wrestle with him, each our own unique stories, they are very real. And man, they are hard, and that is okay. But you know, when we meet with God, when we wrestle with him, these are the times when, you know, God wounds us. But he can also rename us, and he can bless us, and he can make us a new person. You know, it can be a holy place. You know, and if you're anything like me, I think you've probably visually pictured Jacob wrestling with God over the past couple of weeks since we've been in this series. And the one thing that I just cannot get out of my head as I keep picturing this, this, this intense wrestle that is happening, is just the closeness, the physical closeness of Jacob and God. He wrestles with him all night, and he does not leave him until daybreak, until there is something new. And I think it's actually quite beautiful. You know, the other thing that I think is actually probably pretty appropriate is we're spending two weeks on this same text, this same wrestling with God. And I think, I, I know I speak for myself, when I wrestle with God, I want it done fast. Like, hey, let's do this. Let's get in here. Let's go. Let's move forward. Hey, God, what do I need to do to get through this? Like, tell me X, Y, and Z, and I will do it. And I don't think that God always works like that. I think if anything that God has been speaking to me over the past, you know, two years, this day-in, day-out struggle, wrestle with God, it's just that God wants to be near to me, and he wants to be close to me. And you know, Ecclesia, I, I think his desire for each one of us is for just God's closeness, for him 
to be, be near, be with us in our times of wrestle and struggle. And as you can see from Jacob, he doesn't, he doesn't heal Jacob. He doesn't do, do miracles during that wrestling time, but he is there and he does not leave him. So Ecclesia, I think God wants to be close to us, to you, to me. The question is, will you let him in? Will you let him in? Will you let him be close to you? You know, if you've been to our home um, recently, even, we've been in our, our house where we are now for about two years, you might notice, you know, people have said this to me before, you don't have much hanging on your walls. Like, how long have you been in this house? <laughs> and we have. We've been in the house for two years, and honestly, we have one piece of art. I made it, so I wouldn't really call it art. <laughs> hanging on our walls. Um, and it sits in the front room. Um, before I hung it, you know, I always had, like, these visions of us trying to hang things, and there just being, like, holes all over the walls, because, number one, I was, like, indecisive about where I wanted to hang things, and number two, Ian's, like, skill set is not being a handyman. He excels at other things, so I just had visions of holes everywhere. So for a while, it was just sitting on top of our piano, and then finally I was like, no, I'm going to put this thing on the wall. And... All it is, it's a verse. Um, it's a verse from King of My Heart. Um, and the words say, And let the King of my heart be the wind inside my sails, the anchor in the waves, oh, he is my song. And let the King of my heart be the fire inside my veins, the echo of my days, oh, he is my song. You are good. And if you listen to the 17-minute version on YouTube, which, you know, I highly encourage you to do. Maybe we can get it up to like 37 million, you know. Um, there's this piece in the middle um, where the worship leader just kind of pauses and it gets all still and quiet. And she leads this time of song and prayer. And the words that she spoke there and the words throughout the, that, throughout the song, King of My Heart, kind of became my battle cry. They became my anthem during this intense season of wrestling God. And the words spoken, it says, you never fall off of your throne. You never fall off of your throne. You never fall off of your throne, and you never will. You are good. And day after day, during these intense seasons of wrestling with God, I repeated those words to myself over and over and over. And you know what? A lot of those days, I did not believe them. I didn't believe them. But I just kept on saying them over and over and over. And like I said, those words became my battle cry. They became my anthem. They began to speak and spoke life into me. You know, one of our values here um, at Ecclesia kind of focuses on words. You know, we say words create worlds. We talk about um, God's written word, and we also talk about our spoken word. Um, I love this, this phrase that says, our words have the ability to plant a garden, to bring forth life, or to burn whole forests down. Our words are so important. What we are speaking to, uh, to ourselves, to each other, matter. And you know, I have spoken this word, this phrase, you are good, over and over and over, myself. And like I said, some days I didn't believe it. Some days I believed it more than others. 
But it was a way that I felt close to God. I felt his closeness and I felt him carrying me through. Um, And you know what was interesting? As I continued to cry out for God's goodness, my definition of God's goodness changed. You know, if you would have asked me a couple of years ago, my definition of God's goodness would have been my contentment, my, my fulfillment, my happiness, my favor. That would have been how I classified God's goodness. But today, if you ask me, what does God's goodness mean? You know, you are repeating this over and over. You are good, you are good, you are good. And yes, I believe that. But I believe it now because I see that God's goodness is his desire to run towards his children without hesitation, without invitation, to be near and to be close and to wrestle with us. And his goodness is to see us prevail. His goodness is to see us move forward. That is his goodness. That is the goodness that I rest on, his desire to be close and to be near. So, Ecclesia, I want to proclaim this over us this morning. I want to proclaim this over you this morning, that he is good. He desires to be near, and he desires to be close. Whatever it is that you are wrestling with God, invite him in. Ask him to be close. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, you are so good. You desire to know us. You desire to be near us. You desire to be close. Father, I just pray for each person in here today, God, we all have our own wrestles. We all have our own struggles. We all have our own doubts, our angers, our anxieties. God, I pray that you just come in, that you just be near. God, and whatever it is that you need to do, that we just begin to feel you. We begin to feel your love. We begin to feel you working inhabiting those spaces, those spaces that only you can fill. Father, we love you. We are so grateful for this time of worship and of being with you. Amen. Amen. Friends, it's an incredible thing um, to, to, to witness somebody sit, speaking from the other side. We see this often in the Psalms, you know, that I was, I was overwhelmed that the waves and the, and the waters crashed around me. And yet still the Lord brought me through. And friends, I know so many of you are in the midst of the waves. You're, you're standing in a place and you're sitting, you're listening to somebody say that God is good. And you're like, I, I just don't know if that's true. And so if that's you, what we see in the Jacob story is this beautiful thing. God doesn't wait. He doesn't say, okay, like once this person like has a, uh, at least an idea that I'm good, once Jacob has the sense that God is coming to him, like God just comes in and he tackles Jacob to the ground. And friends, God didn't cause Jacob's circumstances. God just meets him in them. And so one of the things that we do every week is we gather around this table and we live into that promise that somehow this bread was broken for us, that this blood was poured out for us, that Jesus means it when he says it, that he has overcome the world and he can overcome the things that are going on in our lives. And he doesn't just overcome it by being this magic God who's like, okay, like next, like you have this amazing future ahead of you. He overcomes it by coming right into the midst of where we are.
And so friends, in just a moment, we're going to invite you to come to the table. And it is the biggest extension of faith that I have is that I am confident that no matter how long it takes, that God will never stop running to you, that he will never give up on you, that he will never stop coming to you in your pain, that he will never stop being near to those who are crushed in spirit and brokenhearted because Jesus says, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you. He doesn't wait. He doesn't say, once you have it all together, he says, I've come to you. And so today I proclaim this over you that no matter where you find yourself this morning, it's okay. God is meeting you there and he is inviting you around his table. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, please visit www.ecclesianj.com.